Alrighty, good morning everybody, and this is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, sorry to have been uh, out of the limelight for the last week, but Wiz, I'm back, and uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing well. I'm glad you're, uh, you're back in the mix. The day you left, uh, complete pandemonium with some wild uh, trades in the NFL, uh, some teams you know moving around in the first round. Uh, some some excitement and then in the, in the last uh, ten days um, there's been uh, pro days with uh, a lot of players who are going to be drafted in the first round and uh, a lot a lot of excitement so uh, we'll get we'll get back to it and we'll try and get back on our schedule we're going to be doing uh, uh, at least two podcasts a week and uh, the the NFL draft is less than one month away. Um, and uh, very, very excited about that, and uh, and we're going to get into it. Yeah, you know, so I I, I don't want to joke around a, a rather serious topic, but uh, you know, it seems like, from what I can tell, there seems to be a race uh, in terms of headlines because it's, it is a sensitive topic and, and victims should be listened to. But um, it seems like there is a contest going on between uh, – uh, Governor Cuomo and Deshaun Watson in terms of the amount of people coming forward um, <clears throat> surrounding uh, circumstances uh, of, of, of basically sexual harassment. And, and look, these are very serious charges. And the, the more the stuff keeps coming out about, uh, about the, Deshaun Watson, actually, the, the more concerned that I am getting that, that Deshaun Watson might not be on a football field for anyone in 2021, you know, the last the, the last person who alleged, uh, you know, different things that were happening with, with Sean Watson um, and, and was very descriptive and, and actually not that anything untoward happened. Like there was not a physical engagement, but it was just actions around it. Uh, it just came across as extremely, I would say, extremely believable. And, you know, I've, I've got some serious concerns about the Sean Watson uh, touching a football field. Uh, by the way, if it's if it's not only this year, it could be multiple years that Deshaun Watson's not a football player in the NFL. I, I don't know how you feel about. It. We haven't talked about it, but uh, but I'm growing way more concerned about that situation. Well, we did the last podcast too. We definitely did talk about you know these things about Deshaun Watson and how this is becoming less and less a football issue and more of a you know, an issue about him and his being able, you know, forgetting about what trade or team or holding out. This is becoming a lot more serious. And then a woman who isn't even amongst the lawsuit with that particular lawyer went to Sports Illustrated. And uh, I guess what's so surprising is, you know, it's different if you have a player where you've heard things about maybe in college and he was younger or things as he's gotten older here or there. Um, you know, like players from time to time, you know, like Johnny Manziel in different ways and Ezekiel Elliott, there, you know, different, different types of things and actions and strange things. But you're talking about a guy who I have not ever heard a bad word about kind of like one of these guys with an impeccable reputation. And then, you know, this is just an avalanche. And, uh, yeah, I, I would agree that, I don't know, you know, his issues right now are, are much more important than football, but we're doing fantasy football podcasts, and uh, I'm putting it much more likely than unlikely 
that Deshaun Watson is not on the football field this upcoming season, which is uh, something absolutely shocking to say. And uh, as of a few months ago, uh, you know, wouldn't even have considered anything like that. And big ramifications, and, and, and I don't know if it, it somehow was a factor in some of what transpired, with, the, with in particular what we're going to talk about uh, with some of those trades that broke out about a week ago, but, you know, the impact of this is, is significant. So I, I think we were in a situation where, you know, and, and you had called this early on, uh, that the Carolina Panthers were certainly setting up their roster and making adjustments to salaries and, and all this kind of stuff in, in order to bring a quarterback to camp. You know, the, the Carolina Panthers right now don't have a quarterback. Um, they've broken ties with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's taken them off of his Twitter account. Um, you know, so, so they're looking for a quarterback, and I think there was a strong, uh, basically a strong uh, view that, that they were going to be able to acquire that player, and, and now that's out the window. So, you know, they're sitting there in the eighth spot. You've now you, you've now got a, a team that's certainly looking for its future quarterback, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. They've moved up to the number three spot with that big trade with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins sneak their way back up to number six w- with the Eagles, and the Eagles move back. And, I'm sure, and, and, you know, what the Dolphins have done with that pick has just been amazing. What they've turned the Laramie Tunsil uh pick into I mean it's just it's rather incredible what's tr- taking place here but but now the ramifications for how the rest of this draft sets up particularly at the quarterback position and I think you know I'll let you comment on it because I think this kind of seals seals the deal for what the Jets are going to do uh, at, at the number two spot and then there's teams like the Patriots who are still sitting in the wings looking for for I think a future quarterback as well and I don't know where where do the Patriots where can the Patriots kind of slip their themselves in uh, into a spot here, so it, there's a lot of moving parts, um, and and like I said, we we've, we've seen uh, you know two big transactions take place uh, ahead of the draft here uh, that have big ramifications for the future for all of these franchises. Yeah, I mean it was one week ago today. Um, Zach Wilson was getting ready to start his his pro day, and uh, and all of a sudden you see Chris Greer the general manager of the Dolphins uh, start doing some high-level fantasy football trades. And after his trade with the, after the trade that the Dolphins made with the 49ers first, and then the Dolphins trading back to move up with the Eagles. So what it ended up, the net result for the Dolphins is that they moved down from three to six and their net gain is a 2022 third round compensatory pick and a 2023 first round pick. And that's pretty amazing. But what makes it amazing is the Dolphins are going to end up drafting a player or one of players of a few players that they had on top of their draft board anyhow. It's not like they gave up anything because they moved to six, and certainly the top three teams certainly are going to be taking quarterbacks. So if they had those top four pass catchers, let's just say Kyle Pitts and Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell as all as elite pass catchers, which a lot of people do, they're saying, okay, we're going to go from three to six. We're going to get one of those players regardless. 
And we're going to add a 2023 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick. That's some, that's pretty, that's pretty good stuff going on by Chris Greer. And uh, you got to give kudos to him. And, uh, and, and that, that, those picks from four on, Actually, three on because you, you, there's some talk about what the 49ers are going to do. We'll, we'll get to that, but you got to give credit to Chris Greer and uh, he did some fancy uh, wheeling and dealing there to end up getting a player that they probably wanted anyhow, and uh, adding on a third round pick and an eventual first round pick in 2023. Yeah, and look, this is a team that was extremely competitive. They made moves in the offseason with free agency, uh, bringing in a guy like Will Fuller. Uh, th- this, this is an interesting time for the Dolphins franchise. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about this coaching staff and what, what Brian Flores has done here. And they get a chance to add a, a, a very talented player at the number six spot, uh, which it will be a very talented player. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. How do you feel about let, let's talk about the 49ers specifically. So, so much has been uh, spoken about in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, potentially going back to the new England Patriots that that's kind of gotten poo pooed a little bit this week. Um, some commentary made about this being good for the competition and a little fire in his belly. But yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on what you think this is going to be you know, in terms of who the player is going to be. Is it definitively going to be a quarterback? I think at this point in time, you and I probably both agree that Zach Wilson will be the quarterback, uh, for, well, the future quarterback in the New York Jets um, uh, franchise, as as they will probably take him with the number two pick. Uh, you, you mentioned the pro days. We saw we saw Mac Jones come out this week. You got players. Uh, you you had you had uh, the kid from Ohio State who who definitely looked very good in his pro day. Um, you know, you've got Trey Lance still in the background here. So, so how are you, how are you viewing that Niner pick at this point in time? Is it definitively a quarterback in your eyes or, or could they surprise everyone and go a different direction? No, you don't, you don't give up. Um, you don't give up, you know, two, two first round future picks and a third round pick and all of that to move up to take a, a wide receiver or a tackle. It's with a quarterback in mind. And I'll tell you this, the quarterback that they're going to take, and it's obviously one of three quarterbacks, assuming you know, assuming that the, the Jets are not going to trade out of the pick and the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, you, you know, you don't, you don't move up and make that kind of deal without, you know, the premise of taking um, a, a quarterback. And I think of all the of all the teams that um, of all the teams that any one of these young quarterbacks could land on, um, I think that the 49ers are a home run jackpot for one of these teams. And as far as which player is concerned, I think this is one of those situations where actions speak louder than words. And Kyle Shanahan and and Lynch um, could have been at either Justin Fields throwing or Mac Jones throwing again. And they were intently watching Mac Jones and watching him throw the ball. And uh, I think it's a perfect situation for that type of player. 
I'd be good. I think it would be good for, for any of those, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, to, to land with the 49ers. But I think, you know, their actions, being there and watching Mac Jones, a player who I think fits their system and what they want to do perfectly, um, it makes a world of sense. And I think they'll be comfortable with either Mac Jones sitting behind Garoppolo for a year. And you got to remember, it's a win-win for the 49ers either way. If he's sitting the entire season behind Garoppolo, it means two things. One, Garoppolo stayed healthy, and two, Garoppolo is playing well. If not, I'm sure they'll be okay if they have to pull Garoppolo after a few games at the midway point of the season and hand the keys to Mac Jones. He's that cerebral of a quarterback, and he fits that system perfectly. So to answer your question, I do believe it's a quarterback, and I do believe it's Mac Jones with the third pick. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and I think there's a lot of varying opinions on that. Um, you know, certainly the team that's been probably tied to Mac Jones a lot has been the New England Patriots. And, and I actually think, you know, I, I don't think Atlanta is going to move out of that four spot. Uh, they're going to probably need a lot to, to move out of it. I think they're probably somewhat intent on drafting a quarterback as well. Um, is there a chance that the New England Patriots can get themselves to that pick? Uh, possibly. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll attempt to do that without question. Um, I, I also think the other thing that's kind of starting to happen here. Now, now, this all but seals the deal, obviously, with the Eagles moving out of that spot. That The Eagles are going to go into the season with, with uh, Jalen Hurts as their number one quarterback. But I guess the, the, the thing that's kind of changed a little bit, at least from what I'm seeing, reading, hearing, and I don't know which team is going to take him, but it seems like between Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, depending on who the Bengals covet and who Miami will end up with, but it, it seems like both of those players are in the mix for that pick. I know we've kind of talked about protecting uh, Burrow, Joe Burrow, which I do think makes a lot of sense, but there seems to be some speculation right now that Pede Sewell, who who was who was the guy that was most team most people were targeting for the Bengals to be taking, but now it seems like there is a little bit of a move to the Bengals taking a skill position player uh, that's not an offensive lineman, you know, either a receiver or a tight end. Have you moved at all as terms of your view? I mean, obviously we'll get closer to the draft. We'll talk more specifically with this, but I think it's a situation with the Dolphins having moved to six, and you mentioned them liking probably a number of different players. I think there's going to be a, a bunch of teams that are going to be in the same spot because of this kind of quarterback flurry that we're going to see. But could we see a Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, depending on who the Bengals like, uh, is, that, is that a potential landing spot for one of those two players? So I am absolutely fascinated by picks four, five, and six in this draft because Atlanta has such a decision on their hands. Trey Lance is not ready to play NFL quarterback this year. I, I mean, he's not. I mean, if he had to, I mean, they'll put him out there and, you know, he could make some great plays. But he, he's not ready to, to be a starting quarterback. He needs a little bit more experience. And if you drew up a perfect fit scenario for Trey Lance, it would be watching, sitting, and learning behind Matt Ryan, the ultimate professional, could learn and absorb 
so much from that player and that scenario would be absolutely perfect for Trey Lance and perfect for the Falcons. The problem is there's going to be a player available at four that's probably the best player in the entire draft, whether you're talking about one of those four pass catchers. Um, Kyle Pitts stands out because he plays a different position than the other three. So you have a perfect scenario to draft Trey Lance where it can work out perfectly, groom him, perfect situation to learn from and have your next quarterback, your quarterback for the next 10 years, or or draft an elite pass catcher who really shouldn't even be available at four, five, or six that I'm going to talk about in a minute. So I am fascinated what the Falcons do. It's going to be a win for them no matter what. I personally think they're going to take Kyle Pitts because he's ready to play now. And, like, if you're going to talk to Matt Ryan, you're going to say, what the heck? I mean, I'll help Trey Lance, but I'd love to have another guy I could throw the ball to along with Julio and Ridley, and we could be some dynamic offense. So I think they're going to take Kyle Pitts. I'm fascinated with the pick. Then that brings in Miami into play, uh, Cincinnati at play in five. And I guarantee you, just like the Cowboys last year, where they must have done a million mock drafts, this year everyone had them taken. Penesu, that organization probably said, we're going to get our left tackle, we're going to protect our quarterback. Enter Jamar Chase. And what makes Jamar Chase so interesting for the Bengals at five is not only is his elite ability, and a lot of people consider him to be the number one wide receiver. Then you add the familiarity with Joe Burrow. That makes that for a fascinating pick. I think they take Jamar Chase, irrespective of what Atlanta does, but unless obviously Atlanta takes Jamar Chase, but I think Atlanta takes either Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts, and then that moves you to six. And then you have another situation. Talk about the Burrow-Jamar Chase situation. Well, who is Tua familiar with? Guess what? Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. It makes picks four, five, and six so fascinating and so interesting. And uh, those players, under normal circumstances, would not be available. But this quarterback frenzy and this quarterback quarterbacks that are coming out with the teams that have early picks that need quarterback have moved some elite skill players down and that's why i am loving this draft and picks four five and six are so fascinating yeah no question about it. now now do you think at eight and, and there's no way obviously that atlanta and carolina are going to make a trade miami's not trading with them no, nobody's going to carolina can't move up at this point in time in the way i see it but can carolina draft a quarterback in the eighth slot yeah, because if, if yes, because if, if Atlanta does what I think they're going to do, they're going to take they're going to take Pitts, which would mean in that scenario both Justin Fields and Trey Lance would be available because even if the Lions said okay, whatever, we like Jared Goff, but we're not going to take Jared Goff. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're gonna still draft the young quarterback. You know they'll still have the other one to take. So Carolina, 
I see not, you know, looking to trade up because they're looking at this draft board and realizing they're going to get a quarterback. With the Carolina Panthers, and by the way, just let me say this, I feel whichever skill players left at seven, whether it's uh, however it goes, Pitts, Chase, Waddle, Devontae Smith, the Lions are taking the player that's left, assuming that those skill players go four, five, and six. So I think both players will be available. I feel Justin Fields is a better fit for Carolina. I feel Justin Fields does not have the ceiling that Trey Lance has. I don't think any quarterback in this draft has the ceiling that Trey Lance has, to be honest with you, including Trevor Lawrence. That being said, if Caroline is looking and saying, we got McCaffrey and we got these guys and we got receivers, we're trying to win now, Justin Fields is the pick for them. And then you're talking about, you know, then teams may be moving up um, to trade to get the other player, assuming that they would take Justin Fields, then you could see maybe a team moving up or Denver saying, we love the potential of Trey Lance too, and we, we don't love Drew Locke as much. But I think the Lions pick a skilled wide receiver, which one of those guys are available. Carolina takes one of those two quarterbacks. I don't know what they're looking at on their board, but I feel that if they feel that they have a team that's ready to win now and they want to win now, they'll take Justin Fields, who I, who I think is uh, more pro-ready immediately. Yeah, this is this is all very fascinating stuff. I and I agree that that the that the those those picks in the middle of the, uh, the of those first ten, those four, five, and six picks is going to be a dictator, big basically big dictating what happens throughout the rest of the draft. It's uh it's quite remarkable. And uh, look, I'm looking very forward to it too. You know, as a Giant fan, I sit there. You know, in in the Giants pick what eleventh or twelfth. But in that, in that have the 11th. yeah, eleventh, eleventh pick, and in that situation, the Giants are going to have a very good football player available to them on both sides of the ball. By the way, I've seen some mock drafts with the Giants actually taking a receiver in that eleven spot. Now, it's not what I would do, especially after signing Kenny Galladay. Uh, it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to me. Uh, but the Giants are going to have a very good football player available at number eleven, and 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 that's the and that's the way it's going to roll. Um, well, when you when you see the Giants or any mob drafts where the Giants have a receiver, you you have you've seen mob drafts where one of those four pass catchers are available at eleven. Yep, yep, I've seen wow. a few. Yep, I don't agree with okay, it. I don't, I don't see any way, shape, or form that any of those pass catchers are, are there at 11. If they are, or much more power to the Giants, obviously they'll, they'll scoop up uh, one of those players. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, think, I think that there are interesting decisions at four. I think the Bengals originally had Panay Suleiman. They're now going to move on from that and take a skilled player. Same thing with the Dolphins. Same thing with the Lions. I think Carolina takes a, a quarterback, uh, one of those two quarterbacks, and then enters nine with the Broncos, who are certainly in a position to either take, you know, a, 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 if there's a quarterback left, or move down if somebody like the Patriots at 15 felt they wanted to get one of those quarterbacks if there was someone left in nine, and I think there will be, uh, to move down because uh, we know that the Cowboys at 10 are going to go on the defensive side of the ball with a cornerback, um, and then and then that would you know up to the Giants. And, uh, you know, just one, you know, I don't know if you have any other stuff you want to talk about the draft or anything else, but just one, one comment about the Eagles. 
is, you know, by moving down to 12, I know they got picks in the, in that trade. But, you know, two things are clear. One is they're going to hand the keys to Jalen Hurts. And two is I think they've moved a little bit too far out of range to get one of those four elite pass catchers. And uh, I don't know about that trade. I think that they they may have moved down a little bit too far. We'll see how it plays out. But looking at how this thing is shaping up, Clearly to me, the two winners are the Dolphins for their trade and still getting a skilled player and and the Bengals, who now have no choice but to take an elite skilled player who originally on their mock draft was not going to be available. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's it's certainly a big deal. And, and I think, you know, the, the Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase uh, potential scenario w- would make things very, very interesting for sure. The, 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 two, the two players combined for a boatload of catches, touchdowns, and yards uh, back in the 2019 season. So, uh, yeah, it would, be, it would be a pretty remarkable... It's hard not to get excited about Jamar Chase when you saw what Justin Jefferson did, and most people probably would say that Jamar Chase outplayed Justin Jefferson yeah. their last year together in 2019. So it's hard not to get excited about Jamar Chase, especially after watching the sample size and, and resume of one year what Justin Jefferson was able to do for the Vikings. And so so the, the, two, the couple of things I want to talk about outside of uh, what took place last Friday. So, so pretty much all of the skill set players, uh, offensive skill set players, are kind of off the board. Most, most have been signed. The, the one guy that sticks out that's not been signed is, is James Conner still. And, and what the Steelers are going to do at running back, that, that should be very interesting. I think potentially the Steelers may pick the first running back in this draft um, at, at 24. I think that's a possibility. Uh, but James Conner has not gotten a sniff from anybody he's he's going to probably have to sign with somebody for a one-year deal this year sneak in somewhere and 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 see if he can get some more money next year kind of like what what Leonard Fournette has done he's signing a one-year four million dollar deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I was a little bit intrigued however about stuff that I, I, I I continue to grow more and more restless about the Josh Jacobs situation with the Raiders. Um, but if you remember a number of years ago when, when Charlie Garner was, was a member of the, uh, Oakland, the then Oakland Raiders and what, jo- what John Gruden did with that player, and then I start reading stuff about Kenyon Drake maybe splitting out wide at times and stuff like that. I, you know, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I, I know they in, in the past, John Gruden has kind of fallen in love with that. And I mentioned Charlie Gardner because he, he also did a little bit with Ricky Waters as well. But, you know, as a, as a coordinator, that was. But I'm, I'm curious what you think about that Kenyon Drake situation in terms of what uh, in terms of Josh Jacobs. I've already been very explicit about my feelings about Jacobs, but. Could we be seeing a situation where where Kenyon Drake could actually you know be used in a much different way with the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put I, I wouldn't put too much stock, if you will, of things that John Gruden says at this year. You know, before before the season starts about doing anything like that. I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've been perplexed by a lot of the things. Um, that they've done, I, you know, their, their draft picks. I thought they definitely got outmaneuvered at wide receiver, and they, um, they, they, 
they took players that they shouldn't have taken so early. But I, I just look at the wide receivers and like, uh, you know, like, okay, you have some good young receivers. You have a couple of them now. You have Henry Ruggs. She's the first receiver you took in last year's draft. He was the first receiver taken in the, in the draft last year. See what he can do. You signed Smokey Brown in the offseason. Okay, he's going to play wide out. They still have Brian Edwards. Hunter Renfro, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't want to see if this guy is a bust or if he's Welsh Welker. But by not playing him the majority of the game, how are you ever going to tell? So I think they should play those young guys, see what they could do, and I, I don't know if that's going to be their plan, but as far as splitting Kenyon Drake outside and doing things like that, that sounds more of like desperation talk or throwing people off or, or whatever. I, I think you're going to see, a, you know, throwing the ball some. He, he, you know, he's good in that aspect, and they're probably um, familiar with each other, both Alabama running backs. But I, I just feel they have good young running backs. You just signed John Brown. You have Ruggs. You have Edwards. You have Renfro. What's the point of doing that? Are you trying to say that he's a better pass catcher than those guys? If that's the case, um, then you're in pretty bad shape. So I'm with you on the conundrum that is called the the Las Vegas Raiders at yeah, this point. It just, just you know, I, I don't know. I think the game. I, it seems like it seems like the game has passed Mr. Gruden by, but uh, you know, let let's see what happens. And I and as you may pointed out, I think I think Mike Mayock might be might be in over his head. Um, you know, I know he was a very good uh, an, an analyst uh, with the NFL Network, but there's a big difference between doing that. Maybe better at doing mock drafts than real drafts. Yeah, I think that might be true. I think that might be very true. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you about one more signing uh, of a veteran player, uh, you know, a team that's kind of had a, a very inconsistent play at the receiver position. Not to say that Lamar Jackson has been unbelievably uh consistent as a pass thrower but Sammy Watkins with the Baltimore Ravens what are your initial thoughts on that I mean to me I'm I've never been a Sammy Watkins guy I, he gets hurt a lot uh, I know he had one very strong year uh, you know with the Bills but overall Sammy Watkins has been a guy that me generally has steered clear of in in fantasy circles I felt he's always getting hurt and 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 banged up a lot. I'm not a Sammy Watkins guy, to be quite frank, but uh, but I'm curious if you think he can kind of rejuvenate things in, in a role potentially as, as the number one receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he may be the number one receiver in name only, uh, but uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think, you know, when you're a receiver on the Ravens, as we've seen, you know, with Hollywood Brown, you're kind of reduced to, you know, having some big plays here and there in, in, over the course of the season. You know, you'll have maybe three games where you'll catch four balls for 120 yards and a touchdown, and then a bunch of games where your line score is two catches for 18 yards. You you need to be a blocker in that offense. And I know the coordinator and Sammy Watkins have got a, you know, back in the Buffalo days, um, have have a good connection uh, as far as that goes. But uh, if you were somebody who was somewhat hesitant on drafting Sammy Watkins, like you were, 
Uh, I always felt a little better about him than you. But if I was somebody who is hesitant to draft Sammy Watkins, I would probably continue along that trend with this with this signing. There's nothing really to get excited about. They they just don't throw the ball that much. And when he does it, I think, you know, it's going to take a while before they get to him um, with Andrews and, and Brown there as well. Yeah, I just look. This is a run first attack. I think this offense will 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 run through you know guys like you know uh, J.K. Dobbins and you know good a good running back in in uh, in Edwards as well, who's who's done very well uh, and has been signed to an extension uh, with the Ravens. But that's a run first attack, uh, and that goes with Lamar Jackson as well. So. All right. Well, that's all I have, Wiz. Anything uh, further you want to uh, add on today's podcast? Yeah, the, the, the one thing I just wanted to add—you know—you, I didn't, I didn't mention it after you talked about it. But if you look up the word "prove it deal," if you look up the expression "prove it deal," one-year prove it deal, I think that you know you would see a picture of James Conner there. I think you know. That, that'll be the case with him. Like you mentioned, where that happens, I'm not quite sure. The way these things are going, would I be absolutely shocked to see him re-sign with the Steelers for one year? No. But I think, you know, it's a perfect situation because a one-year deal, prove it, uh, makes sense for the team, considering what's happened the last couple of years. And also for James Conner, if he does prove that he still has left, you know, some stuff left in the tank with the salary cap situation next year, he'll be available for a much better contract. So I think you'll see a one-year prove it deal. The question is with who at this point, and uh, I don't know, it, it's looking more and more like this thing is going to go on for a while. And you know we've talked about this, right? This is a, this is a strange year for the salary cap with the with COVID the previous year. Uh, you see a big bounce in in the uh, in the salary cap next year, and it certainly played a significant factor in in how teams handle things economically, and actually decisions that players have to make as well, right? Like there's guys that just say, "Look, I'll take my one year deal this year. I'll do what I have to do." Um, plenty of guys with with plenty left in the tank. Um, that if they do have a good year this year, they, they can they can knock that you know one more big contract out of it, and, and next year is a year to do that. So something to be watched for. And of course, the other thing that we're looking at, right, Wiz, is 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 a 17 game schedule in the NFL uh, for the coming season, uh, reducing the number of preseason games and basically adding adding a game to the fantasy football season. Yeah, you know, I I think. Um... You know, you've added a game, but you've not added a bye week. And I'm just wondering if at some point football is going to turn to um, a situation where I know that you have to have some kind of injury designation, but I'm just wondering if they're just going to rest a player here and there in a game where they're, let's say, a big favorite or it's a short week for a team. Um, You know, it may be difficult for all of these players to play um, 17 NFL games. So I'm just wondering if we are going to see the dreaded rest management uh, yeah I think you're bang on you know we know what how that's impacted the NBA uh, without a doubt and I think the NFL in this current situation where I thought they would always add a second bye week but that's not been the case here but that certainly leaves things open for team to manage things 
in a much more careful manner. And I think we're already seeing that anyway. We, we talked long and hard about the evolution of fantasy football, uh, which was a really fun thing to talk about, you know, especially at the running back position. And look, teams have four guys now at the running spot spot. They're willing to use all four in different ways. And, you know, we're going to see that sort of thing uh, continue to play out. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do think you're, you're onto something in that we could be looking at a situation where there are teams that are really going to think long and hard, depending on the opponent, um, and depending on the situation that the team is in, where you'll see offensive skill set players and, and probably other players as well that are rested in a more regular basis in, in, in the NFL uh, in, in the new 17 uh, in the new 17 uh, game season world. So so yeah, big, big, definitely a big story there, no question about it. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we'll be uh, back to doing uh, two a week starting. Uh, Starting next week, a lot of excitement as it gets uh, closer to the NFL draft, and uh, and it's always interesting to see where these players land, and also how it affects the players that are on the team. You know, you always want to, if you have a quarterback, how it affects when a team drafts a good receiver or vice versa, and you know, a, a running back with a good offensive line. It's a, it's always it's always very interesting to see and uh, and and think about as it gets closer of the season because it's not only you know rookies yes it's the draft where rookies are coming in but it also affects the existing players and the veterans uh, for position battles and it can help or hurt situations depending on where they land so that's always something very very interesting to look at no question about it and uh, this is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast Spotify SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts Be sure to check us out next week. Make sure you're subscribing and look forward to catching up further next week, Wiz. Have a good weekend. You do the same. Thank you.